good morning, good morning. What it do, what it do. And welcome to another installment of the Sports Rap Podcast right here on Heat 100 Radio. It is your boy, Sports Rap D, in the building. And I'm flying solo today, so bear with me. But you know I can hold it down as I always do. And listen, we got some news to get to, uh, as we always do. Some scores, some updates. We will talk NBA playoffs with the Sixers securing the fourth spot yesterday uh, with the win over the Detroit Pistons. But I'll talk a bit about more. T- talk more about that a little bit later on down the line. But nonetheless, nine minutes after the hour and just a little bit behind. But nonetheless, I'm here. So we are going to do what we do. We're going to get it cracking right now. And let's see. It is time for your news and your updates. Then we'll get into our scores and then we'll get into the meat of the show. Before I begin, I do want to take a moment of silence for the family of Dwayne Haskins for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And just if you didn't know, when I posted this um, over the weekend, he was killed in a fatal auto accident. Uh, I'm not going to go into detail or any particulars about how it happened out of respect for him and respect for the family. But I will say that I want to take a moment of silence in respect in regards to him passing uh, due to that fatal accident over the weekend. Thank you all for that uh, moment of silence. I hope you all joined in with me. Uh, it was a very tragic, tragic uh, situation, you know. Um, and as I do, I have to report the news and everything that goes on in the sports world. It was a shocker uh, to me due to the fact of his age and how young he was. Um, but nonetheless, fatal accident which took the life of former NFL quarterback Dwayne Haskins. Moving on to some more news and updates in the sports world. We have two more coaches have joined the Flores suit against the NFL. So again, like I always tell you guys, when things get like this and investigations come up, it's going to get hot and heavy at some point and then it might cool down. But this is going to be a long and extensive suit against the NFL um, due to the claims that were presented. And now you have two more coaches joining in. So that's going to make that list of uh, allegations and complaints even longer. So we'll keep our ears to the street, definitely, and report to you as we get information on that story. Also, Conor McGregor um, has fa- is facing six charges after a driving incident. Adam Silver wants a solution for stars sitting out games. I'm going to try and squeeze that in a little bit today. We're going to talk a little bit about that. Um, even though you know today is going to be heavy, heavy playoff talk, heavy Sixers talk. But we'll try to squeeze that in because that is NBA talk as well. The Lakers have not ruled out waving uh, Russell Westbrook. The play-in tournament, uh, the commissioner wants that to look wants that to be a fixture in the NBA. Uh, you know, as you know, and I'll talk about this later on down the line, there is now a play-in tournament for the NBA. Uh, the first six seeds are secure. And 7, 8, 9, and 10 will play. And I'll explain all of that to you 
to get the seventh and the eighth seed. The Eagles have had a virtual visit with the Honey Badger, Tyron Matthew, and they are interested in signing the safety. Rumors are that the Eagles and the Saints are now the current frontrunners for the free agent safety. The Eagles are also were also among multiple teams interested in a trade for Brandon Cooks, which has been recently reported that he has signed a two-year deal to remain with the Houston Texans. Joel Embiid wins the NBA scoring type. He becomes the first center to do so since Shaq did it in the 1999-2000 season. Uh, there's a source in, in early reports that the Nets' Ben Simmons could return in the first round of the playoffs. Tiger finishes his comeback at the Masters and also confirms that he will play in the Open. The Las Vegas Aces acquire the number 8 and 13 picks in this upcoming WNBA 2022 draft from the Minnesota Lynx. In a shocking story, Grambling State volleyball coach cuts the entire roster after three practices. She tells them that their performances were poor and that none of their scholarships would be renewed. So I'm going to have to dig a little bit more and get some more information on that story. But I thought it was a little bit shocking when I saw it. So I will definitely get some more information on that and bring it to you. Scotty Scheffler uh, is the winner of this year's Masters. Frank Vogel is expected to be dismissed as Lakers coach as early as Monday. In the NCAA women's title, the most recent title between South Carolina and UConn is the most viewed college basketball game since the 20, since 2008 with 4.85 million views. Good step for the women's game as we always talk here, or as I always talk here. What's up, Frank? As I always talk here about the women's game and how they need better advertising, better marketing, and a lot more support. So hopefully that game uh, with the stats that I just read to you will give them somewhat of a boost and help along with that uh, marketing and get them some more notoriety and some more accomplishments and get them you know, get them noticed more um, as a league and as the women's game, including WNBA and the women's game in the NCAA. Moving on to your scores, I'm going to go with the NHL scores first. And as you know, we now have baseball season, which has started last Thursday. I want to give you some baseball scores. Then we're going to roll right into our NBA scores and get you ready for the NBA playoffs. Before I do that, again, you heard Simply Monica mention it on the new morning rush not that long ago. But I also have to do my due diligence and give shout outs and congrats to the Delaware Bluecoats the G League affiliate of the Philadelphia 76ers, who advanced to the G League Finals once again. So this is their second trip, second consecutive trip to the Finals. They were there last year, didn't come home with the trophy. But I'm feeling super confident that they can bring it home this year. Um, they defeated the Rio Grande, not the Rio Grande, I'm sorry, I forget who they defeated, but they will face off against Rio Grande beginning Tomorrow, the 12th, at Rio Grande, the game will be 9 p.m. on ESPN2. It's a two out of three series, so one game will be at the Chase Fieldhouse, which would be April the 14th at 8 p.m., and if necessary, the final game will be April 17th 
at the Rio Grande on ESPNU. So best of luck. Congrats to my guys, the Blue Coast down there. Shout outs to the basketball ambassador of basketball for the Delaware Blue Coats, Mr. Joe Richmond, aka I am Coach Joe, aka I am Joe Richmond. Great dude, does an amazing job down there. If you don't get the chance to get down there, watch him on TV. But next season, you need to get down there and you won't miss him. He's and he does again, he does an amazing job as the ambassador of basketball. And it's a pleasure for me to know him and call him friend and big brother. So shout outs to you, Joe. Again, shout out to the Delaware Blue Coats who will be in the G League Finals once again. Moving on to some scores from yesterday in the NHL. The Bruins fall to the Capitals 4-2. In overtime, the Penguins outlast the Predators 3-2. The Lightning blank the Sabres 5-zip. The Wild double up on the Kings 6-3. The Ducks fall to the Hurricanes 5-2. The Stars get by the Blackhawks 6-4. And the Jets outlast the Senators 4-3. In Major League Baseball yesterday, in the third game of the opening weekend series for the Philadelphia Phillies, the A's come back and get one game there. They take that 4-1. The Orioles get blanked by the Rays, 8-zip. The White Sox put something on the Tigers, 10-1. The Red Sox double up the Braves, 6-3. The Mets fall to the Nationals, 4-2. The Rangers... Double up the Jays, 12-6. The Guardians put something on the Royals, 17-3. The Mariners fall to the Twins, 10-4. The Pirates get by the Cardinals, 9-4. The Brewers escape the Cubs, 5-4. The Dodgers fall to the Rockies, 9-4. The Marlins fall to the Giants, 3-2. The Angels get by the the Astros, I'm sorry, get by the Angels 4-1. The Red Sox get by the Yankees 4-3. And in the night game, the Padres outlast the Diamondbacks 10-5. Moving on to the NBA, as you know, yesterday was the final game of the 2021-2022 regular season. There were a lot of games going on and we are approaching the playoffs. In the scores, the Hawks defeat the Rockets 130 to 114. The Pacers fall to the Nets 134 to 126. The Cavaliers beat the Bucks 133-115. The Wizards fall to the Hornets 124-108. The Celtics put something on the Grizzlies 139-110. The Sixers get by the Pistons 118-106. The Heat fall to the Magic 125-111. The Raptors also fall to the Knicks, 105-94. The Bulls get by the T-Wolves, 124-120. The Warriors get by the Pelicans, 128-107. The Lakers, in a close one in a high-scoring game, get by the Nuggets, 146-141. The Thunder get whooped by the Clippers, 138-88. The Spurs fall by 10 to the Mavs, 130-110. <clears throat> The Kings defeat the Suns 116-109, and the Jazz beat the Blazers 111-80. So as you know, folks, we are now moving into the NBA playoffs, and like I mentioned in our opening and the news and updates, there 
is a second year of the NBA play-in tournament. And in this play-in tournament, like I mentioned, the seedings are set one through six by the end of the season are set. The teams seven through 10 will enter into a play-in tournament. And how that works, it goes like this. Teams seven and eight will play. The winner of that game will get the seven seed. Teams nine and 10 will play. The winner of that game will play the loser of the 7-8 game for the AFC to round out the NBA playoffs. So I'm going to say that again for you if you didn't catch it. 7-8 and eight will play each other. The winner of that game gets the 7 seed. The loser of that game will await the winner of the 9-10 game, who they will play in order to receive the 8 seed in the NBA playoffs. So looking at the standings and the final standings for both conferences, uh, let's start with the East. Well, let's start with the West because we're going to have some stuff to talk about in the East with the Sixers being in the East. So in the West, the Suns are the number one seed, the Grizzlies number two, the Warriors are the third seed, the Mavs are the fourth seed, the Utah Jazz are the fifth, and the Denver Nuggets are the sixth seed. In the play-in tournament in the West, you've got seven, the T-Wolves, eight, the Clippers, nine the pelicans and 10 the spurs nate thanks for tuning in as always in the east you've got miami that locked up the number one seed celtics jump to the number two seed the bucks will be number three sixers at four raptors at five bulls at six in the play-in tournament the mighty brooklyn nets at seven the Cavs at eight the hawks at nine and the hornets at ten so when you look at this, and I'll give you um, the schedules for these playing tournament games um, a little bit later on down the line. So as we look at the NBA playoffs, like I mentioned, one through six are set at the, by the end of the season. And then you have the playing tournament for the four teams uh, in each conference, seven through ten. So we look at the East and going into yesterday's games, final game of the season, and it ended up with a three way tie for second place in the overall Eastern Conference standings between the Sixers, the Bucks, and the Celtics. Going into yesterday's games, the Bucks were the number two seed, the Celtics were number three, the Sixers were number four. Not much really changed for the Sixers. They remain at the number four due to them not having any tiebreakers with or not owning the tiebreakers with the Bucks or the Celtics. Uh, surprisingly, and of course with their great play late in the season, the Celtics pull up to number two or jump up to number two with the win yesterday. And the Bucks, who rested some people yesterday, fell to the number three seed. It was crazy how that whole situation all played out. Again, like I mentioned, there was a, it's a three-way tie for second place in the overall standings in the Eastern Conference. All three teams, the Celtics, Bucks, and Sixers, ended the season with the 51-31 record. But again, of course, with the tiebreakers being owned over the Sixers by the Bucks and the Celtics, the Celtics get number two because the Bucks, with the loss yesterday, uh, they moved to number three and the Sixers remain at number four. And they will get the Toronto Raptors in the first round of the playoffs. We'll talk a little bit about that um, as we progress. So 
I want to stay here in the East for a little bit and, and talk a little bit about the mighty Brooklyn Nets. And of course, I'm going to bring up the trade probably where a lot of people in the very beginning um, said the Nets automatically won that trade because of who they got. And we see what happened with the play. Uh, even before the trade, the Sixers were in that top four without Ben Simmons riding Joel Embiid, like I said, before the trade. They were still in that top four. At one point, they had jumped up to number one for maybe a day. But nonetheless, they did. The Nets went through some injuries again with Kevin Durant. They also went through a long stretch with the van, uh, mandate, the vaccine mandates in New York City, where Kyrie Irving could not play in home games in New York City. That has since been lifted, so he can now play in all of the games. But it, it made them struggle. Um, in the trade with the Sixers, they picked up Seth Curry, Ben Simmons, and the Andre Drummond. Andre Drummond has played. Seth Curry has played. He's had some few. He's had a few good games. Last couple games, he's been out, uh, and we know it was somewhat very similar to what he did here, where he was in and out of the lineup a little bit. Um, I think Andre Drummond was added into the deal because they knew what they had to go up against, or possibly had to go up against, um, facing Joel Embiid, and Ben Simmons was the main piece there, who again still has not played a game for the Brooklyn Nets to this day. There's speculation, like I mentioned in my opening, that he could be ready for the first round of the playoffs. I also find it hard to believe that he'll be ready. Uh, they're wondering about, there, were, there was talk about his back and the injury to his back, if there was an injury. And if you remember way back when, when all this started with the Sixers and him, Sixers examined him and found nothing wrong with his back. So now he has a back issue. I'm wondering how he created a back issue when he has not played all year long. Um, there's also talk about his legs, getting his legs back under him. Listen, folks, if you've never played a sport and had have sit, sit out, have sat out as long as he has, and at that level, it's not going to come to you in the first round of the playoffs. It's not. You're not going to have your game shape ready uh, by the first round of the playoffs if you haven't played all season long. So I don't know what they're expecting. I don't know what they're looking for and possibly trying to have him play in the first round. But we'll see what happens. Um, again, with all the talk that I gave you prior to this point where I told you I'm still waiting to see if the Nets are really, truly figuring out or have figured out what they have in Ben Simmons, which they can't really because he hasn't played. There's also been some slight, small chatter that he could possibly be traded in the offseason and go to L.A. And we all know what is going on in L.A. with the Lakers, and we might even get a chance to talk about that um, a little bit later on. But... You can't just throw a guy out there at that level who hasn't played all season long and expect him to be a top performer for you. Also, I broke down scenarios for you where 
Ben Simmons played with the Sixers where he was the setup guy, so to speak, for the players that were here during his tenure. When you look at the Nets roster, they have two legit stars who don't need to be set up. They also, at the buyout market after the trade deadline, they signed Goran Dragic, another point guard to come off the bench. They already had Patty Mills. So again, I think at that point, they knew or were beginning to, to realize what they had in Ben Simmons and started to try and figure out how he would work with them. Um, me, in my own right, I also mentioned that knowing basketball the way that I do, do have, having been a coach, a player, and so forth, as a coach, you have to think really hard about how you would use him after what you have seen from him throughout his career so far. In a lot of ways, late in games, he is a liability, for lack of a better word. It showed up in the Sixers-Hawks series where they began to foul him late in games or at certain points in games to have him shoot free throws, and they did their homework where he shot 33% from the free throw line, which is horrendous for your alleged point guard. Horrendous. So I don't know what the Nets have in mind. When he was traded there, he did put out a statement very coyly that he did not want to play the five spot, which could arguably have happened if he had played when the Nets went small ball. But he hasn't played again, so we don't know how they're going to use him. I also stated that I felt that the signing of Goran Dragic was a little bit of a security blanket for them because at that point you would have a point guard who has a decent relationship with their head coach, Steve Nash, who you know can shoot free throws, and you know if a play breaks down with Kyrie Irving or Kevin Durant that you can rely on him to shoot the ball, shoot open jump shots, and not look to make an extra pass or an over-necessary pass in the flow of that offense. So again, I'm not sure how they're going to use him. Uh, I'm not even sure if he's going to be on that roster come next season, but we will definitely pay attention to that and see how that all plays out. Um, again, the Nets, again, like I said, were allegedly the front runners going into the season for the East. And like I said, we see how all that changed. You had a recurring thing with an injury to uh, Kevin Durant. And again, unfortunately, they had that mandate issue with Kyrie Irving. And after Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, it's not really much there um, that you can say is extremely solid or consistent. Like Steve Nash knows on any given night, he can count on Kevin Durant when healthy and Kyrie Irving when he's allowed to play, which is now. But he can definitely count on those two guys who, again, don't need to be set up to score. They can be set up to score, but they really don't need it. They both can get their own shot basically anytime they want at any point of the game. So, again, it poses a very huge question where Ben Simmons will fit in. But looking at that roster, um, they made some adjustments. They made some changes. 
Like I said, they brought in the Patty Mills. They had some young guys who played. And this is all prior to the trade. They had James Harden when he was there, but he kind of got fooled into being sent there um, with the fact that he could arguably be playing with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. And then it wasn't what he expected. It wasn't what ideally he was told or what it wasn't ideally what was presented to him. Because like I said, Kevin Durant got hurt again. Kyrie Irving couldn't play in home games. So he held it down the best that he could with the supporting cash that he had. Then there comes the trade. You get Seth Curry. First couple games there, he plays. Bang out job. And then he goes into the back and forth, the streakiness, which was which we know is Seth Curry. And this is no disrespect to Seth Curry. It's just what it is. Then they added in the Andre Drummond because of the way he was playing for the Philadelphia 76ers at the time. And they also knew that with Nick Claxton and an older LaMarcus Aldridge, they had no one there to deal with Joel Embiid if the, in the event that they faced them in the playoffs. So they added Andre Drummond in. But again, the main piece was for the Sixers to move Ben Simmons. And again, Ben Simmons has not played for the Sixers. He has not played at all for the Brooklyn Nets as of yet. So they really don't know what they have in him. Then there was the trade, like I just mentioned. They have Ben Simmons now, Andre Drummond, and Seth Curry. The Sixers received James Harden and Paul Millsap. Paul Millsap could help and be a veteran on the bench, maybe not so much with playing time. But we all know what James Harden is. And I mentioned this a few weeks ago when the trade happened and people all talked about what James Harden disappears and this, that, and the third. And one of the things I said was I hear what everybody's saying. But I also went the extra mile and I stated that in order for that narrative of him disappearing in the playoffs, the only person that can change that narrative is him. Um, I heard something interesting this morning on Inside the NBA where just imagine just playing with the numbers a little bit. They got the Raptors. The Sixers had the Raptors in the first round. The Raptors won the season series. But I think the playoffs will be a little different. Because I've always felt that Pascal Siakam is the same way. He tends to disappear in the playoffs. Hopefully, Tobias Harris has found his stride. We all know what we have in Joel Embiid, and we see what we have in Maxi. The questions are with James Harden. But getting back to what I mentioned that I heard earlier today, just think, if he gets six points a quarter, it's four quarters in basketball, let's do the math, four quarters, that's 24 points where you basically would need him to be. Then you add in a couple threes here and there, which would give you a couple extra points. So let's go 24. Let's go to like 27, 20, 26, 27 points. And you get some free throws in there, and you hover around that 27, 28. So you're looking at possibly 24 to 28 points, which is what you would definitely need from James Harden in the playoffs to get through the first round to keep progress forward in the playoffs after the first round also. So we look at that and you play devil's advocate and you say, oh, well, what did we get in the trade and who won the trade? 
it's going to be an ongoing conversation, some ongoing dialogue where you're going to have people on both sides of the fence. But again, like I mentioned, you look at what happened with the Nets. The Sixers prior to the trade were in the top four. They remained in that area after the trade. We saw what happened with Brooklyn. They fell deeply. They're now in the play-in tournament, which is somewhat hard to believe for a team that was pegged in the very beginning of the season as the eyes on favorite to win the East. So now they would get the 7-8 and eight game. They play the Cavs. And ideally, you look at the rosters, you look at them on paper, you automatically begin to think that they'll probably win that game, end up with the 7 seed. And they would end up playing the Celtics in the first round, which I think would be tough for Brooklyn. I think that would be a tough matchup for them. Uh, it would surprise me if something weird, strange happened and they lose that game. Then they have to play again and play the winner of the Hawks and the Hornets, who the Hornets, if the Hornets were to win that 9-10 game, played them tough, even beat them a couple times this year. And I don't mean just got by. They literally beat them this year. The Hawks, I still don't think the Hawks have enough. I think the situation last year in the playoffs where they caught the Sixers with the Ben Simmons factor and what they had, they just outplayed the Sixers there and won that series. But I still don't think they have enough to get past the second round if they even get in to the first round. Like I said, they're in the ninth seed, so they have to win to have an opportunity to get that eight seed. So we'll definitely see uh, how that plays out and what happens there. So you move over to the West and the eyes on favorite there are the Suns, who were the eyes on favorite from wire to wire, who remained in that top seed wire to wire all season long. They are definitely going to be a tough out. Uh, I think that team culture has grown and has changed. And them getting a taste of the NBA Finals last season and them not winning it has a taste in their mouth where they want to get back. And I think with their coaching staff and with those players, they kind of have an idea of what they would need to do to get over the hump. So they're going to be a tough out. Uh, the Grizzlies, I think, are the surprise team in the West this year where they have played and bolstered and pushed themselves up to the number two seed currently in the playoff standings. The Warriors are right there in the mix as always. The Mavs, the Jazz, and the Nuggets round out the top six which are pretty decent teams. Um, I think those standings are where they should be. Mavs at four, Jazz five, Nuggets at six. I think that's pretty standard for the West. Then you have the T-Wolves, who just missed it last year getting in with some improvement at the seventh seed. The Clippers, who were a disappointment uh, with injuries to their two star players. One has returned in Paul George. The other has not in Kawhi Leonard. Then you got the Pelicans with that young talent. And then the Spurs, who just showed the sense of urgency and supplanted the Lakers for that 10 spot. So the play-in tournament will begin tomorrow. You will have the Cavs at the Nets, 7 p.m. on TNT. And then the second game will be the Clippers at the Timberwolves at approximately 
also on TNT. And then on Wednesday, you got the Hornets and the Hawks, and then the Spurs and the Pelicans, both of those games on ESPN on Wednesday. Then you have on the 15th, again, like I said, you have the winner of game three, which is the 9-10 game in the East, playing the loser of the 7-8 game to get the 8 seed. And then it's winner of game four, which would be the West, the Spurs and the Pelicans, versus the loser of game two, the 7-8 game, the Clippers and the T-Wolves. So that is your setup for the NBA playoffs. So now that I'm here and I want to move and continue to talk about Philadelphia 76ers who are in a pretty precarious spot at the 4C, which I like. I would have loved for them to end up in the 3C to face the Chicago Bulls who they swept in the series this season during the regular season. But they have the Toronto Raptors who beat them 3-1 in the season series. But again, like I mentioned, I don't feel very strong about Pascal Siakam during the playoffs. But again, the Sixers have the tools to beat them. They just have to put things together. Uh, Doc Rivers, the coach, has to get the rotations right. And I think that they can outcome them again. It all depends on what James Harden does for us in the playoffs. Also, to catch 22 with this series is due to uh, not being fully vaccinated. Matisse Thibel is ineligible to play games in Toronto. I'm hoping it doesn't go to seven games, but worst case scenario, he would miss only three games, which means the Sixers would basically have to take care of business at home. I don't think it's going to go seven games. At most, I think six, and I like the Sixers in six, so they would be four-two. So they got to get one, at least, I believe, in Toronto without Matisse to make it more comfortable for them, you know, coming back home and winning the series at home or just solidifying the series and taking one also at uh, Toronto to not push that six or seven game. Maybe they can do it in five if they get a game there early in the series but moving along even further we've had this conversation we've been having this conversation for several weeks now and it all stems around Joel Embiid and his quest for the MVP this season there are still still plenty of people who are riding this Nikola Jokic train again as you notice like I mentioned to you the Sixers with Joel Embiid and without James Harden and without Ben Simmons, were in the top four. Once they get made the trade for James Harden, they were still in the top four or five. If you look at the makeup of the rosters, Nikola Jokic, his supporting cast is better than the Sixers' supporting cast. I'll give you that. So you look at where they are. The Sixers are number four seed in their respective conference. The Nuggets are the number six so they have to play the Warriors in the first round, which could be tough for them. Um, you go back and you look at what Joel Embiid has done throughout the season. Like I mentioned earlier, he wins the scoring title 
the first time for a center since the 99-2000 season. He sets the fourth highest points per minute by a center in a season with .91 points a minute, almost one point a minute. And he's averaging like 36, 37 minutes a game. So you can basically say he was averaging 37 points a game, but the overall average was 30, I think, and it helped him win the scoring title. In 67 games played, his averages were 30.4 points per game, 11.6 rebounds, and 4.2 assists. So he averaged a double-double. The 40 and 10 games in the season, since the merger, Embiid for this season had 13. When you look at the rest of that list, you had Westbrook, who had 12 in 2017. You had Moses Malone, who had also had 12 in 1982. If you look at this list and you pay attention, the last two names, Westbrook and Moses Malone, won the MVP in those respective years. Could history repeat itself? Could history hold true? We will soon see. In the last four games that Joel Embiid played, these are his numbers and his field goal percentages. 41-20 and 20 for 82% field goal percentage. 30-10. and 10 46% field goal percentage. 45 and 13, 60% field goal percentage. 44 and 17 for another 46% field goal percentage. So he was basically averaging high 40s, close to 50 if you round it all up and add the numbers and do whatever you do. You could basically, you could easily arguably say 50% from the floor, which is a dominant, dominant run for a center. He kept this team afloat the entire season. Of course, yeah, he missed those games, but they were not injury, so to speak, as people have claimed and people put their hats and everything on that last year. But he doesn't get he just stays hurt. He doesn't play enough games or he didn't play enough games. COVID was still around. So COVID hit him and it hit him pretty hard. So he played 67 games. But as he came back, he picked up right where he left off and carried the team. So it brings you to the burning question, and which he has coyly put out himself. What else does he need to do to win the MVP? You know, we talk about Nikola Jokic winning the MVP last year and how a lot of us felt that Joel Embiid should have won it. But okay, we gave you that, that he didn't play enough games and all the other jazz that came along with it. But no one ever mentioned the fact that Nikola Jokic won the MVP, and then his team turned around and got swept out of the first round in the playoffs. Although the Sixers did get to the second round, and believably, unbelievably, they lost to the Hawks. Good morning, Rich. They lost to the Hawks, which no one thought would happen, but it happened. But they did advance to the second round. But again, no one talked about Nikola Jokic being the MVP. Allegedly, everything that he did for that team. And this is no knock on him, believe me. I'm just giving you some facts. No one talked about them getting swept out of the first round. So they didn't win a game in the playoffs with the MVP of the league. How do you figure? And then you turn around and you come back this season. This season was pretty good. They end up the sixth seed in the West. And we know the West is tough. But again, I say... Even with Jamal Murray being out, 
Sixers were without Ben Simmons, their, their alleged second star. Joel Embiid kept this team afloat in the top four positions in the East before the trade and again after the trade. So, in my opinion, I think he's hands down the league MVP. Like I said, again, we look at the stats, we look at the numbers and everything I just told you. The first center to win a scoring title since 99-2000. So you figure that's 22 years, that's two decades since a center has won the scoring title in the the NBA. Okay, he had 40 and 10 games in a season since the merger. The top three are Joel Embiid with 13 this season again. Westbrook with 12 and 17, and Moses Malone with 12, also in 82. And again, those last two, respectively, 17 and 82, Westbrook and Malone won the league MVP in those years. So we'll see what happens uh, with the uh, voting for the MVP. I think him winning the scoring title added some juice to him, um, some votes with him. I don't know how much is going to play in the voting, but I think it should play a huge part due to the fact that he has done what he has done. He's shown and proved that he is arguably the best center in the league. Um, Hopefully he can get the votes as the best player in the league. With that being said, I'm going to take my first break right now for the day. I hope you all enjoyed the first half of the show. When I come back, we're going to talk some more basketball. We're going to talk some more NBA, some other things sprinkled in. You are tuned in to Sports Rap right here on Heat 100 Radio with your boy, Sports Rap D. I will catch you on the other side in just a couple of minutes. Again, welcome back to the second half of the Sports Rap Podcast right here on Heat 100 Radio. It is your boy, Sports Rap D, with you, bringing it home. And before I get into the second segment, um, I got to go back. I was in a little rhythm, in a little flow, and I didn't acknowledge some people. But these are some people that I feel like I need to acknowledge because they are loyal um, listeners, um, loyal ads to Tom Brady. Thanks for tuning in. They are loyal listeners and followers, and they always have some input to all of our dialogue um, on the show. First, I'm going to start with Nate, who I acknowledged as he came in. I also did acknowledge these guys when they represented and when I saw them, but I didn't, like I said, I got into a little rhythm, and uh, I didn't go back and check their comments and their fees that are adding to uh, what they added to the first segment. So Rich, I'm sorry, not Rich, Nate, we're going to start with Nate. Um, He said he, initially he said he predicts the Cavs over the Nets. Um... I don't know, Nate. Like I, I've seen stranger things happen, but I, I just don't think the net. I mean, the Cavs have just enough, especially with Kyrie being able to play now full time, um, and what type of taste in their mouth, what type of attitude the Nets may have right now, um, because of where they are, um, being in the play-in tournament. I'm sure. In their minds, they saw this whole thing going a whole lot differently. So we'll definitely keep an eye on that. But 
I wouldn't be surprised if um, the Cavaliers did stun them and beat them. Um, he also asked a question. Do you think Doc Rivers uh, will be fired if the Sixers do not make the conference finals? That, for me right now, is a tough question. Um, I saw some people um, on social media uh, the end of last week and over the weekend talking about yeah, Doc needs to be fired and everything. And the only comment um, I added to that situation was, and it, you know, initially, let me just start by saying this. They usually say, or typically say, you don't answer a question with a question. But I wanted to see where people were um, and what their thought process was. So I immediately commented and asked, well, then who would you want to see? Who would you, who would you have or who would you rather see the coach um, coming in to replace Doc Rivers? Um, ironically, no one could give me a solid answer right off the bat. So at that point for me, Robert Reeves, thanks for tuning in. You, for that, at that point, for me, I feel like you kind of have to kind of take a back seat for that and evaluate the whole situation once again, and then reevaluate it once the playoffs end for the Sixers, because you have to look at the makeup of the bench, the supporting cast. You brought in another superstar halfway through the season at the trade deadline, which kind of tripped up your second leading scorer in Tobias Harris. And we all understand the inconsistencies of Tobias and everything like that. But he was in a little bit of a groove. And then you bring in James Harden, the other legit star, former MVP. So it kind of shook some things up. Um, I think Tobias is beginning the last month or so of the season is beginning to find his groove. And I just hope that carries over into the playoffs which would bode well um, for the Sixers. Um, Richard Drummond uh, chimes in and he says, talk, and this is in reference to the MVP race for Joel Embiid and his stake, his claim for the MVP. He says he has a hurt Harden, um, a suspect bench, um, another suspect player in Tobias Harris. He said, but Embiid has led all players in 30, 40, and 50-point games all season long. So, yeah, I, I I would be a little remiss if I say anything different, but I would be totally bummed out, totally shocked, a little bit disturbed if he did not win the MVP. It would show me even more so how the politics play a role in uh, the sports, professional sports that we enjoy so much. So... And shout out to Hess Green for always tuning in and always supporting. Appreciate you, bro. So one of the stories I mentioned real quick um, in the opening was that Adam Silver um, wants to find a solution for players sitting out games. Um, it says he looks to find, look into a trend of stars not participating in full complement of games. As we know, we've had some players that have sat out plenty of games in certain situations just for rest, for example. Uh, some for some prefabricated injuries and things of that nature. Just real quick, uh, one note that I saw adding to a little piece to this story. In 101 games played between, well, no, in 101 games played, let me make sure I get this right. 101 games played, there was $196 million paid out. And this is amongst the stars, Kawhi Leonard, 
Dame Lillard, Klay Thompson, John Wall, and Anthony Davis. I kind of take Klay off of this list, in my opinion, because of the injury that he had, which the rehab and everything, and we know that time frame. But he's come back and he's been playing pretty good almost to his natural form since returning. AD, I say this about him all the time, and I've said this to some friends that I know that are Lakers fans and whatever. He's hurt every year. Every single year he gets hurt. So I add him there. Dane, I don't know what the situation is there in Portland. Uh, it's a mess over there. So it could be some underlying um, take, LA, take LA and add Ben. Yeah, um, I think I think Clay, Clay right, Rob? I think... Um, yeah, you're right. That's why I said I took Clay off the list, Robert. You're right. You can add Ben Simmons to this list because he hasn't played a game at all. At least John Wall didn't play, but we know John Wall's situation with this, the situation in Houston in the rebuild. Kawhi Leonard, eh, tough to feed, tough to get a read on that. But I thought that was just a crazy, unique stat. 101 games played and $196 million pretty much being wasted on players who sit out. Um. Adam Silver goes on and he says, um, and I quote, part of the issue is injuries. One of the things we have focused on at the league office and we're spending, uh, we have begun to spend a lot of time on pre-pandemic. Are there things we can do in terms of sharing information, resources around the league to improve best practices and rehabilitation, end quote. So he is in a, I guess I'm taking from what I see here in a way that he wants these guys to play uh, because it's beneficial for the league, of course, in uh, financial and for financial reasons and, and for fan base reasons. But um, you know, he also said if he, in the past, if there's too if the 82 game season is too many games, they can look at that as well as possibly shortening the season. So these stars can play in more games. Um, he says that's something that will be talked about and looked at um, in the in the new collective bargaining agreement. Um, he said the style of the game has changed in terms of the impact on their bodies. I think we got to, con you know, when he said that part there, um, I was a little taken aback because we all know how we talk about today's NBA and most of us um, in the 80s and 90s how the game was rougher back in the 80s and 90s. And we all, a lot of times, um, revert to saying that the game now is a little soft or softer than what a lot of us grew up on in the late 80s, early 90s, uh, maybe even early 2000s. So with these guys sitting out so many games for numerous reasons, is really, really strange, um, and he looks to try and find a solution to that. Uh, you know, when we had the 80s, like, guys didn't really sit out unless they could not perform. You know, I mean, guys played through nagging injuries. Um, it reverts me back to the um, Kobe Bryant quote, and God rest his soul, where he was asked um, by his wife about playing with injuries you know, and, one, and I'm paraphrasing now, but what he basically said was, what about the fans who paid their hard-earned money to come and see me play? I have to perform for them. I have to play for them because they, they paid their hard-earned money to see. And how would, it, how would they feel 
if they paid their hard-earned money and I didn't play. So I respect that wholeheartedly, um, and I understand what he meant by saying that. And again, it's different today. Like we said, the game we always say is a little bit softer. We also say we have a different breed or a different type of athlete now. So it's real strange, um, and it's good to see that Adam Silver now wants to look into um, getting to a solution on how these guys are sitting out and not playing um, in games. Now, moving along, I am getting ready to talk about a topic that I normally or most recently within the last year or so have attempted to stay away from and I've been doing very well with it. And it's the comparison between Michael Jordan and LeBron James. So we look at the Lakers. Um, They won the championship in the bubble season. Then they came back and barely made the playoffs the following year. And then this year they do not make the playoffs. So I saw an article and I went through it and I realized that a lot of this talk had been going on, but no one really got into any in-depth detail of it. So what it basically is, is, and I saw this, is five reasons why this Lakers season has been a disaster. And it goes in and it defines, it says, LeBron, Westbrook, and Anthony Davis are all at fault. So we know the situation there. As I said, and I keep saying it, Anthony Davis, all-star player, whatever, hurt every year. His entire career, he's been hurt at numerous times in his career, numerous times in the season throughout his career. The Lakers had young talent in Kuzma, KCP, and some other pieces. They traded those pieces away, um, allegedly swinging for the fences and bringing in a former MVP, another all-star, and Russell Westbrook to play alongside LeBron and AD and knowing that AD at some point would be hurt and not be able to play. It was a big swing and a miss. Huge swing and a miss. Uh, Because the fit was not what they expected. Uh, It was not a good fit. And it turns out that it was a huge mistake. And underlying factors are, like we said, with Cleveland and some other teams that LeBron went to, he was sort of an underlying factor in having particular people brought in um, like Westbrook. He kind of lobbied for Westbrook to be um, part of that situation there. And again, it just didn't work. So we will, you know, definitely um, check into that and figure out what's going on with that. So again, he, in my opinion, also was at fault because these are people he lobbied for. He did it on other teams, and then it just fell out. The bottom falls out. And everybody that was tuned in, Frank, Tom, I mean, sorry, Nate and Tom and Rob, just 
jump back in. I had some technical difficulties, but I'm back up now. So jump on back in, uh, if you will. So we're going to go through this. There's five reasons, like I said. And we're going to go through this and talk about it a little bit. And then the last piece I'm going to give you is really the piece that is going to have some LeBron fans a little disturbed um, for the moment. Number five, Anthony Davis cannot stay healthy and consistent. Well, it says Anthony Davis might be the most injury-prone superstar in the league. His health has been an issue throughout his career, as I stated and as I've stated to other people and numerous times on this particular podcast. He only appeared in over 70 games twice. Last year, he played only 36 games, which put, which, which put L.A. into a very precarious situation. Um, without Davis, the Lakers fell to the number seven seed in the West and were not able to get past the talented Phoenix Suns last year. This year, Davis only played 37 games, and it looks like he will miss the rest of the regular season. The eight-time All-Star in his prime at 28, um was supposed to be the number one option for the team. He has been absent for the majority of the season, and with James forced to play primary role instead of preserving his legs for a pro season run, when Davis has played, his shooting has been at an all-time low, 18.2% three-pointers, three-point field goals, and 70.9% free throws. His absence and lack of consistency when healthy has greatly hurt the Lakers all year. Well, basically everything that I said all wrapped up in a nutshell um, at one time. Again, the the inconsistency and the health issues of Anthony Davis, who again was lobbied by, was lobbied for by LeBron to bring in, and you kind of got some fool's gold in the bubble when they won that championship, but then it was a decline so far every season since then. Um, the number four reason, Frank Vogel is not uniting the troops. Well, it says, when things have been falling apart, Frank Vogel needs to take blame, to take his share of the blame. He has not been able to unite the troops and get them to buy in. Frank Vogel's system is built on defense, and unfortunately, he has not been given the tools to succeed. Well, same situation with Doc Rivers, who really hasn't been given the tools if you think about it technically. But look what he's done with the stars that he has, or the star that he has until the trade. Now he has two. But look what has been done with that roster as compared to the mighty Lakers rosters um, of the past couple years. Um, And he says it's not entirely on the coach for being given bad tools to work with, but he simply has to coach the team better. Players look unmotivated, disinterested in playing any defense, and lacking in desire to improve. Well, you can talk about this till you're blue in the face, and we've seen it. Hence, I mentioned to you in the opening that Frank Vogel pretty much had coached his last game as the Lakers head coach yesterday and should be alerted of his, his dismissal um, as early as soon as today, sometime today. Number three, 
the Russell Westbrook trade was a mistake. As much as I like a lot of things that Russell Westbrook can do as a basketball player, I also have been one to say on record and off record that I didn't feel that he would win a championship in the league because of his ego and the pride in a certain way that he has within him as a basketball player. If you look for me, generally speaking, as a basketball player, excuse me, great talent, um, arguably a generational talent, but the ego a lot more times than not <clears throat> gets in his way and he gets in his own way. So said, no doubt the Lakers acquisition of Russell Westbrook was one big fat mistake. Um, He's getting up in age, so he's lost some some of his athleticism, athleticism, and he cannot shoot well enough and has been a major cause for the Lakers' poor season. They say the Lakers would have been better off with Kyle Lowry, DeMar DeRozan, and Buddy Hill, who were all trade targets last year and during the offseason. Management, along with LeBron Davis, deserve blame for recommending the point guard to join their ranks. Yes, they do. Magic Johnson even went on record to say that if the Bulls had not gotten DeMar DeRozan, he would have been a Laker. But whatever happened there, it didn't pan out. Um, they also say Russ does not fit with the team. He cannot space the floor alongside LeBron James, and the duo has been a disaster together. Westbrook does not fit in long alongside the King and his declining athleticism has meant the lack of jump shooting, and it could spell the end of his career as a star player. Reason number two, the roster is old, slow, and lacks shooting. Well, think about that. Fingers should be pointed mainly at the Lakers' management and the atrocious roster that was put together. Having the oldest roster in the NBA will not cut it. This roster, this current roster, cannot keep up with the, with the talent in the league that can shoot, run the break, and complete and compete defensively at maximum effort. The lack of shooting, they are old and slow and do not defend, is the recipe for disaster in today's modern NBA. Car Carmelo Anthony has been the team's most reliable shooter, but he is also 37 years old and is right now a defensive liability. The rest of the veterans fall in the same boat. Trevor Ariza, Dwight Howard, and Wayne Ellington. None of these guys can play heavy minutes or keep up with young players on defense. Relying on Malik Monk and Reeves will not cut it for a championship team. But Frank Vogel is finding he has no choice. LeBron is 37 and Westbrook is 33. Number one. LeBron James is older and a defensive liability. At 37 years old, James does not have the capabilities to carry a roster that is not suitable for championship contention. The pieces of the roster do not fit well together. The King does not have it in him to cover for the team's lack of shooting and legitimate offensive threats. There's no doubt that LeBron has been a defensive liability. Does not have it in him to carry the offense and track back on defense and transition. Sorely missed 
the Lakers sorely missed the presence of excellent perimeter defenders, including Alex Caruso, Contavious caldwell Pope, and Danny Green. And people might argue there and say, oh, not Danny Green, he's old, whatever. Yes, but on the defensive end, with his length and his basketball IQ, he can still give you some solid defensive minutes. He's shown it in his time with the Sixers, although he's up there in age as well. But he has also shown that on given nights and in certain moments, he can still provide a defensive presence. And it may not be a shutdown defender, but you look at the game yesterday, he had some key defensive plays there. Um, and you look at the Pacers game the night before where he had an offensive explosion. Well, not that game, but he had some other defensive plays there. But again, he can still give you some decent minutes on the defensive end. So again, you know, you look at this team, the Lakers team, and you start to realize down the stretch that their age, and I've said this, that their age was not um, in their favor. Um, a lot of people on social media compared them to that one particular time where they had Carmelo, Malone, uh, Gary Payton, and a couple other people. And they tried to win a championship and did not do so. And they were all guys that were old and past their prime. But they felt or thought that if they all played together, that they could get something done. And we all saw that it didn't happen there. So, again, you know, a lot of that blame is on Mr. James, who, like they said in the article, lobbied for the team to bring in Russell Westbrook and trade away that young talent. I mean, again, you look at the talent they traded away. Contavious Caldwell-Pope, Kyle Kuzma. They lost Alex Caruso and free agency, who was a big part for them. Not a superstar, but a solid role player for them, especially at the defensive end. You had the shooting and the offensive skill with Contavious Caldwell-Pope and Kyle Kuzma that you traded away for an older Russell Westbrook and people if you don't understand like we already say LeBron is 37 and we said Russell Westbrook was 33 but you also have to take into consideration the teams that they've played for the minutes that they've played and how far they've played in a season so it's a lot of miles put on them which in some instances their age is not as old as their capabilities or abilities to play or to perform if, if you get what I mean. So moving into, you know, what we had been dealing with for a long time now. And there was a comparison um, between LeBron James and Michael Jordan you know, about who was the GOAT. And I saw this post on the Internet and I shared it. So if you want, you can go to uh, Sports Web Podcast on Facebook and check it out. And um, you can leave me some comments after you hear what I have to say. Or you can later on today when this video goes up, when I'm done, leave me some comments here. And I will do my best to get to any comments um, if there are any left. And it says, do y'all ever wonder why ESPN always says LeBron in year 19 instead of saying LeBron at age 37? And this is a very... Very decent argument here, what I'm getting ready to say. And like I mentioned, I preempted it by saying I'm probably going to disturb some LeBron fans in saying this. 
And I will definitely see if anybody comments, if they come out of their shell and comment say it. And I said, do it through it again. Do you ever wonder why ESPN always says LeBron in year 19 instead of saying LeBron at age 37? It's because Jordan at 36 won All-Star Game MVP. He won the Finals MVP and his sixth ring against younger and more athletic competition in the late 90s. All while Pittman missed 38 games and had to sit most of the finals with back spasms. Injuries are a part of the game, and Jordan didn't make excuses. Well, there you have it, folks. I mean, you can very much talk about We can talk about this, like I mentioned before, till our faces are blue. We are definitely going to have some LeBron fans who are going to dispute it and want to debate it. You're going to have some MJ fans who will stand with what they stand with. And either way, you're going to have people on both sides of the fence. Um, when you look at it, you immediately what jumps out to me is what some people are, some LeBron fans are going to say about MJ. And they're going to start with the, look who he played against. Look at the talent. Right. And I somewhat get that. But you look at it on both sides and you take the part in LeBron's career where he was in Cleveland, got drafted to Cleveland, played there for a while, didn't win a chip, and then he got to the point where he felt like he wanted to win a chip, what people like to say chip chasing. He decided to go to Miami and play with Dwayne Wade, and then they lobbied and brought in Chris Bosh. And then the second time, they lobbied and brought in Ray Allen. The only other thing that Michael Jordan did was retire from basketball after winning three chips, come back, get bumped out of the playoffs, then come back and win three more. Three peats, mind you, not a year here, a year there, and there, whatever. Three the first time, retired, came back, got bumped out, came back, won three more straight. Finals MVP in all six. So basically, he's undefeated in the finals, six and up. Then he went to the Washington Wizards where he was part owner, but but got the itch and got to play, wanted to play. So he made himself a player on that Washington Wizards team. Um, there was a quote from Tyron Lue who said, Michael Jordan at 40 didn't want to sit out games. He practiced. He wanted to push and make these young guys better or attempt to make these young guys better. Like you see it, they always go to Michael Jordan and they say his age and this, and they say LeBron in his 19th year. Okay, fine and well. But you saw what I just, you heard what I just read. At age 36, a year younger than LeBron, he won the All-Star Game MVP that year the finals MVP that year, which was his sixth ring against younger and more athletic competition in the late 90s. All while his sidekick, Scottie Pippen, missed 38 games and had to sit out most of the finals with back spasms. So he held it down, which gives me the impression that the urgency was there, the 
taking care of your body in a lot of ways was there. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that LeBron James doesn't take care of his body. But again, the one comparison that I always revert to is the fact that LeBron James went to Miami to play with other superstars. Um, he came back to Cleveland, and they finally won one with Kyrie. And I still say to this day that the one that they won in Cleveland, if Kyrie had not been playing, they probably would not have won that championship. And he moves on to L.A., and he lobbies for Anthony Davis to come. There was a lot of flack with that initially. Then that trade finally happened. The season got shortened. Um, they had to create a bubble due to the pandemic. They won the bubble and then have not really made the playoffs in the last two seasons. But all the while, these are people that he lobbied for to come and play with him, believing that he could do something with them and win championships with them. And that um, was not the case. And when you look at Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan was in that era where these guys um, on the tail ends of the Larry Bird, the Magic Johnsons, the Charles Barkleys and all of that, the Isaiah Thomases, um, including the Pistons, the rest of the Pistons and the bad boys. Those guys would never say, oh, well, you, you beat me, so I'm going to come and play with you. No, you beat me, so you better get prepared because I'm getting prepared to come back and beat you. Hence the difference of where I stand with the LeBron James and the Michael Jordan comparison. So that was just a little bit of notes to get the brains flowing, um, to spark some interest, possibly spark some dialogue. And again, like I said, I'm anxious to see uh, how many people on the LeBron side will comment on this situation or on this issue. Like I said, it's posted on Facebook already. I just wanted to bring it to you live again and talk about it just a bit. So, again, you can find the post um, Sports Rap Podcast, the group page on Facebook. Um, you can leave me comments there. I also believe it's on Insta on my Instagram, on my Instagram, at sportswrap underscore D. You can leave me comments there. And then, again, it'll be right here um, on this video once I wrap up and post this video. And you can leave me comments there. And, again, I will try to get to um, some of the comments and see if anybody leaves comments but the only thing that I ask is, and if it comes to that, you know I will do it. I don't want people to just say A, B, and C. I want you to be able to back up your opinions, what you have to say. And I'm going to give you that open right to say what you feel, the need. But I need you to be able to back up what you say when I begin to ask questions about what your comments are, which usually doesn't happen much. But we'll see um, what happens and how that plays out. With that being said, folks, we wrap up another installment of the Sports Rap Podcast. I thank everyone that tuned in today. Um, be on the lookout. Oh, reminder, this week, this Thursday, we will be on location at the Drake Tavern, 304 Old York Road in Jenkintown. We will go there approximately 6.30 p.m. Again, the weather is beginning to become consistent in warm weather so come on out hang out with me hang out with the crew talk some sports with us um, we'll probably have some baseball we'll have some playoff games i believe thursday yes we'll probably yeah we'll have some uh some we'll probably be into the mode where we're wrapping up the play-in tournament to solidify those seven and eight seasons in the nba playoffs and again we'll definitely have some baseball on there giving you 
some schedules for today. Again, the end of the season for the NBA was yesterday. No games today, but the play-in tournament begins tomorrow with the Cavs at the Nets and the Clippers at the T-Wolves. Both of those are the 7-8 seed games playing for the number 7 seed in their respective conferences. In the NHL, one game on the docket, the Jets at the Canadians. And again, we have baseball season. So today in baseball, you've got the Guardians at the Royals, the Pirates at the Cardinals, the Brewers and the Orioles, the Rockies and the Rangers, the Red Sox and the Tigers, the A's and the Rays, the Mets are in town to play the Phillies at the park, the Jays and the Yankees, the Blue Jays, that is, and the Yankees, the Mariners and the Twins, the Marlins and the Angels, the Padres and the Giants, and the Nationals are in ATL to face off against the Braves. Also, coming up tomorrow, game one of the G League Finals, the Delaware Blue Coats will be at Rio Grande in their quest for the G League title. As always, folks, you know where to find me, right here on Facebook, well, right here on Heat 100 Radio each and every Monday, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. On Facebook, in the group page, Sports Rap Podcast. On Instagram and Twitter, at Sports Rap underscore D. You can also check the webpage, SportsRapRadio.com. Also, the YouTube channel, Sports Rap TV. And folks, get over there where all these videos also go up. If you don't have Facebook, you can catch these videos on YouTube. Uh, Sports Rap TV is the page. Like I say, get over there, subscribe to the channel, hit the thumbs up for the videos that you like, leave me some comments, and then also hit that bell so you will be alerted when new video goes up. Also, you can get all of this audio if you can't get on social media, you just listen to podcasts. You can get all this audio on Anchor, iHeartRadio, Google, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and most of your podcast outlets again this thursday we will return to the drake tavern on location so be on the lookout all on social media for updates um and notifications on when we'll be there again it's this thursday at the drake tavern in jankintown 304 oyo grove come and see us come hang out with us have a drink or two have a little bite to eat and talk some sports with us talk some sports with us get the opportunity to meet us uh, face-to-face meet and greet us in person as opposed to hanging out with us on social media and on our live feeds and on video you can get out and get with us and talk to us face-to-face share some of your opinions and talk some sports with us again thank you all for tuning in i will see you all like i said all week on social media this thursday at the drake tavern and next monday right back here on heat 100 radio 62 degrees is the high for today Weather is breaking. Get out and enjoy some of this sunshine if you can. Be great on purpose. We'll see you all next week. And before that, we'll see you Thursday. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. See you.